This is the Industrial IoT Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. We have seen the emergence of what I call modern Internet of Things. It's really the connectivity piece and the data aggregation piece that is usually missing in the infrastructure right now in the market. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and I'm joined by Bob Flaherty, the Vice President of Customer Success and Managed Services for SimCon Lighting. Bob, thank you so much for joining the podcast today, sir. Well, thank you, Tyler. appreciate you having me here today. Yeah, it's great to get to get a chance to talk to you. And uh, we're talking today about smart city and smart lighting technology. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about this, and I've seen this even in just a, a couple of different industries, is that people have really good intentions when they look into... Uh, adopting the latest technology and specifically here we're talking about IOT technology and I think cities are interested in it because of you know the promise of a better future and seeing how uh, future is moving and where technology is going but I think a lot of times uh, cities and people that are in charge of plans like this often don't have a plan and they're not sure exactly what to do first and how to move forward Uh, what kind of solutions can you provide people like this well Tyler I think you hit an important point there the what we've seen uh, recently, is, over the last few years, is a, a, a big interest in smart city technologies and, and what it can do for cities. And <clears throat> often what we are hearing is that everyone wants the promise of the smart city. They, they want to be able to attract businesses and residents to their city and provide additional services and value-add services to their constituencies. Um, however, when, when they get to the point of saying, we'd like to do this, the next question becomes, okay, well, well now what? What's the first step? How should we get there? And oftentimes there's there's a silence <laughs> and 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 not necessarily a clear answer on to what to do next. Because once you do start to invest, you want to find some type of positive return, whether that be monetary in terms of creating revenue, whether it be in terms of reducing cost or something a little bit less tangible, but could be driving uh, people to additional businesses uh, to do business within in the city or the town. Um, and without that plan, without that that first step, it's hard to get on that journey. And I think that's where we we actually can help uh, and have helped cities and towns do that. We start off with our smart lighting solution set, which is where we turn your streetlights essentially into an outdoor network. Uh, and on top of that network, you can start to deploy other services and capabilities, uh, but also be able to manage the energy usage of your streetlights and be able to further reduce the the cost of of not just using the lights, but managing and operating the lights. And that's often a good first step for cities and towns to take because it's something very tangible, very visible to the residents and to the businesses and and to the the leadership of of the town as well. Uh, Now, what we see often in that context, though, is since we are putting a network out into the outdoor world, uh, a network brings with it some requirement to operate and manage it. And that sometimes is overlooked when uh, towns or cities are, are looking at the benefits. Uh, and that can be perceived as a risk. Okay, once you put this network out there, how do we get the value out of it? How do we ensure it stays uh, performing and, and is available as needed? And, and again, what we've tried to do there is to remove that perceived risk completely, take it off the table for our customers and offer a set of services, or managed services, by which we can uh, monitor, manage, and take care of that network on their behalf so that they don't have to invest in those resources on a 24 by 7 basis to do so. 
Right, absolutely. And this is a situation where you've been in this industry for a while now, and you've gotten to see uh, some of the life cycles and and patterns of uh, big, big innovations kind of coming into the marketplace, and then seeing um, maybe the struggle that comes along with that. For every solution, sometimes it raises questions for people. And so you've been able to kind of see how that cycle works and anticipate questions moving forward. So how do you see history repeating itself a little bit when it comes to IoT and smart cities and smart lighting? (laughs) <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. As a matter of fact, I'll probably date myself here when I start talking <laughs> about these things. Uh, but I do personally, I believe I'm seeing a repeat of history. Uh, what's happened in the corporate IT world over the last, really over the last 25 years in terms of how that the technology evolved, how the network evolved, how we went from internal networks to leveraging uh, the internet and, and uh, associated applications and services that came out uh, that ride on top of the internet. I mean, we, we can look no further than things like Netflix and Uber that transform the way people watch movies and transform the way, pe- way people get from place to place, uh, taking advantage of technology. Uh, that technology brought with it a lot of requirements uh, and, and obligations to uh, the, the organizations that deployed it to ensure those things stay up and running, that they're available, they perform well, uh, that they don't cost too much. If you look outdoors now, we're, we're kind of going through the same thing, albeit at an accelerated pace. Uh, right now with the lighting, smart lighting, that basic network is getting put, getting put in place outdoors. Uh, and now we're starting to see in the smart city space, cities deploying additional applications and services on top of that network or in, 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 you know, as, as part of that network. And with that, it brings along those same obligations uh, that I uh, just referred to a moment ago that we saw in the corporate IT world. So it's playing itself out again in the same way. And one of the things that uh, a company I was with way back in 2000, what we saw that happening, uh, we were able to build a set of managed services around the IT world, which helped our customers accelerate what they were doing greatly because they no longer had to have the burden of, of dealing with the plumbing, if you will, of IT. I think exactly the same thing is playing itself out uh, in the outdoor IoT space where the the risk and the obstacles to being successful are very similar and with which is why quite honestly we're able to take uh, the same approach with the managed services from the IT world and apply it to the outdoor IoT space remove that burden from our from our customers remove that obstacle from being successful and let them focus on driving the services and the benefits that they want to bring to the, their city residents and businesses uh, without worrying about the, the plumbing, if you will. Sure, absolutely. So we, we've mentioned now a couple of times some of the risks and some of the obstacles uh, to implementing technology like this. What are you know what kind of maintenance is required uh, to keep an IoT network functioning properly? Uh, what what kind of things need to be done on a regular basis? I'm guessing it's similar to getting your oil changed on your car. You do it on a regular basis the way that you should, and it keeps everything working the way that it should. Is is that kind of regular maintenance uh, the same when it comes to IoT? It's similar. It's similar. There's specific activities you'll want to do to make sure that the underlying infrastructure is has the latest and greatest you know software patches, as an example, to make sure the security is adhering to the policies of the city. Or, or that you're recognizing new threats that might be out there, and you can have proactively uh, ensure that those threats wouldn't uh, show themselves up uh, within your network. Uh, but there's also the, use the car analogy a moment ago about 
changing your oil. Well, in today's cars, right, there's there's constant monitoring going on within the infrastructure of the car because there's so much technology there. You know, you'll get an alert when your oil is low. You'll get an alert if your tires are low. If the seatbelt's not buckled, you're getting an alert. The same would apply to the the network. You want to be watching this network to be able to see those, spot those trends or those potential uh, behaviors that could manifest themselves in a, a, a problem with that network or that service. In the smart lighting world, that, that might manifest itself in an outage of some lights. Uh, for example, um, the, you've deployed LED lighting throughout your streets, and some of the, the drivers might be having a problem, which would uh, cause the lights not to shine as bright or maybe not be turned on at all. That, that could present a safety issue to that part of the city in the middle of the night. Uh, if you are monitoring those those devices, that network, uh, we can possibly head that off or worst case, react to it very, very quickly once it happens, rather than waiting for a resident to have to make a phone call uh, to report it, which leads to a very unhappy resident and also can take extra time for that problem to actually be resolved. So it's um, very similar to, to the again, the IT world, but also to the car analogy you brought up. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense to me uh, on, a, on a lot of different levels. So what, what kind of obstacles exist to cities fully adopting and maintaining uh, smart city IoT technology? What kind of things kind of uh, come up and what are some of the questions that you often get from cities or from city planners and people like that who uh, are looking into this but are hesitant and, and, and there are things standing in the way? What are those things main, mainly? Sure. So we talked about, obviously, the technology obstacles and the, the need to keep those up and running, and it's why we introduced our managed service offering. Uh, but frankly, additionally beyond that, I think there's there's a, a need to work with the cities to ensure that they can uh, connect the dots, so to speak, from the service they would like to deploy to the value it's going to provide to be able to justify the investment, right? So, for example, um, people you, you, putting cameras out in the city and and keeping track of traffic and people and what they're, you know, how many people are walking around might be interesting, but how do you connect the dot to that to be a value, uh, a tangible value to the city? So for example, we have one of our customers who have deployed some of our smart city solutions along with the smart lighting and they're, what they're doing it in specific parts of the town where they've made some significant investment in infrastructure and revitalization is they want to be able to see the people traffic that's happening in those business areas are the investments they made yielding what they had hoped, which is the, the the additional traffic into businesses, which would lead to additional tax revenue and and revenue for those organ companies that have been attracted to to move into their city. Uh, so that's an after the fact justification, if you will. Uh, but you have to be able to connect those dots beforehand to be able to show that this investment is worthwhile. Because uh, at the end of the day, in a town or a city, right, more times than not, it's the, the residents and the businesses that are already there that are going to help fund that activity through, whether it be through taxes or through bonds or however they, they may finance or pay for it. And I think that's, that's probably one of the most critical things in the smart city space is being able to identify those risks and have a, 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 a mechanism or a, a, a solution to mitigating those risks. So at the technology level, we believe it's the applying managed services because we can take our 24 by seven experts that uh, have, have done this for many other organizations and we can apply it to that city and town. But we also think as we work with them at the, uh, at the, at the, in the, well, through the sales process, quite frankly, and through our marketing team to help them understand how best to connect those dots, how best to justify this and present the value to a broader audience, whether that be a city council, a mayor's office, uh, or to this, the citizens themselves. Is there a challenge in communicating the value because you can't necessarily put a, a dollar amount to it? 
of something like safety when it comes to smart lighting because uh, you can have you know lighting that that kind of keeps places a little bit more safe or, or you know recognizes that there's a person present lights up an area that then is able to to you know keep people safe on a different level is is there a challenge in communicating the value of that because it's hard to kind of quantify that in terms of dollars and cents in some areas there can be but there are some areas that have a very clear ROI if you will or very clear value and you brought up safety mm-hmm. and I think that's one of them um, <clears throat> you know the cities and towns are going to address safety in one or two ways or both ways, but it's, you're either going to be applying more people power to it, which means more feet on the street, or you take advantage of technology. Uh, well, if you take advantage of the technology and combine that with the people, that's probably the, the best overall scenario. So uh, if you look at the just safety in of itself and try to justify an expenditure on that, sometimes it becomes more emotional than it does dollars and cents. But if you look at the overall cost of trying to apply that safety, layer in tech, use of technology uh, where you can leverage the, those, uh, the, the people, uh, your, your first responders uh, across a broader area because of the technology, get to things faster. Uh, that generally is not very hard to justify within a city or town. Um, it's, you know, and I think when you, when you look at the bigger picture, if you can improve the safety of your city or town, uh, if you can build a reputation like that, you're probably going to be more attractive for people to move there and to live there. You'll be more attractive for businesses to come there and open up uh, a shop there to be able to help revitalize those parts of the city or those parts of the town. So I think it's part of that, um, that process of, of justifying things has to be looking at how does it impact the bigger picture? How does it impact the overall objectives of that city or town? And I think if you do that, things like safety are justified very easily. There are other applications probably that are a little more difficult too. They might be, you know, frankly, a little more squishy, if you will, in terms of the, what the value is. Uh, but I think there's some fundamental things like, like, like safety that um, cities and towns are looking at, will continue to look at, and frankly should be looking at because technology can help a tremendous amount in, in that case. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. What about um, when it comes to network security? Is that a question that you get on a regular basis? Just how do we make sure that if, if everything that we have is going to be connected over IoT, uh, how do we protect uh, the, the mm. overall security of this network to make sure that uh, no bad actors are able to get in and you know kind of mess with the infrastructure of the city? Right. Well, that's an excellent point, Tyler. You know, earlier on, we talked about maybe some history repeating itself here, but at an yeah. accel- accelerated rate because of technology. And, and this is one of the accelerated rate aspects of it because the, the, we've, there's been so much innovation in the areas of security management, security monitoring in the IT world. Uh, a lot of that is directly applicable into the IoT space. And we're seeing that in, in solutions that we're providing uh, today's, for example, in our smart lighting solution, the network can be fully encrypted from the streetlight all the way up into the the management software. Um, different le- different uh, approaches to how we would do uh, authentication of the actual uh, data packets that are coming are applicable now in this space. So it, that's a huge focus area. Will continue to be for cities because as you put more and more networks in place, uh, by definition, you know the your your there's there's a there's a risk there, but the mitigation approaches are very similar to that in the corporate IT world, and we're seeing those at the forefront of of our discussions with customers in the smart city space. So uh, I, I don't think you ever solve the security problem in any space because there's always, as you point out, bad actors trying to figure out what's the next way to break in. It seems like it's always a a one-upmanship, right? You you put more protection in, then you've got 
bad actors out there looking for ways to prove that you're wrong and then you put more protection in. So it's, that's going to go on, I think, can, uh, continuously, um, probably for the rest of my career, if not yours as well. Right, right. Uh, so in a hypothetical scenario where let's say that uh, I have my own city, it's Tylerville or whatever it is, you know, and I, I bring Bob Flaherty in and, and SimCon and I say, you know, I would like to assess what's possible. How do you walk through that process with a city? Where does that start and what kind of questions are you asking right off the bat to, uh, to kind of determine what they're looking for, what they could need and what their goals are? Sure. Good question. So we've come into Tylerville. It's a beautiful place, by the way. We, we <laughs> thank you. Thank like you. Like it very much. Uh, we'd want to understand what what is what's your your vision for the city. What's your vision for Tylerville? Um, are you trying to attract more businesses? Are you trying to attract uh, more more residents to move in? What's the the building plan look like? Really to get a feel for you know how do you see the Tylerville growing over time? What are the, what do you want Tylerville be to, to be known for? It really starts there. It's really understanding what what the positive things are, but also what you see the pains. You know, is there a problem with with, with crime in parts of Tylerville? Um, is there an issue with how much money is being spent on power and electricity? Um, you know, th- those sorts of things. Are there areas of, of, of town where maybe um, you really concerned about, is there pollute, too much pollution there? We want to be able to get our hand, arms wrapped around what the environmentals look like, because maybe there's been some some sickness in, in those areas as well, uh, respiratory problems or things like that. Uh, all of these types of, of things, could there's data that could be collected that could help us get more insight into that. So I think it's a combination of those things. It starts at that high level of of you know objectives, goals, vision, problems, pain areas, and then prioritization. You know what is the most important thing to move the city forward, and, and then wh- how do you go about doing it? What are the solutions that might be in place? And I, I would also think we would probably do this in the context or in, in partnership with other organizations that we've worked with in the past. So you know SimCon is not going to be able to do everything for everybody. Um, so we're in the, we've been building an ecosystem of partnerships, people that bring these smart city solutions that can are enabled by our platforms that we put out there. So I think it would be a, a number of conversations like that, introducing the right kind of uh, partners and organizations to help facilitate those objectives. Right, because I'm guessing just that the better that that uh, initial conversation goes and the, and the more information you're able to glean about what a city needs, the more thoroughly you're able to understand uh, the resources that they need to help them achieve their goals and to understand and to realize the things that they're they're trying to accomplish. So the better that that initial conversation goes, the better you're able to understand uh, what their needs are, the more you're able to help them meet those needs. A- absolutely, Tyler. And of course, when we get involved with a city or town, it's it's never a brand new city or town, right? There, there's always a history. There's always a a, a point in time that we engage. As I mentioned earlier, one of our customers, uh, our current cities, they had already made some investments in terms of revitalization in downtown area, and they wanted to utilize the solutions to start to see what the result was. So we didn't hadn't been engaged with them prior to that, but once we did get engaged, we were able to help them see, okay, is this having an impact? And where is it having an impact? And if it's not having an impact, what can we do to to change direction or 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 modify the approach to have an impact? So it, you know, very important to understand where we're coming into play with a particular town or a city at that point. Um, we have another one of our, our customers that we're working with right now where um, they want to utilize smart city technology to dramatically change how they're viewed as a, as a city. Uh, and and not, not just for doing business there and having people live there, but an overall reputation for innovation. 
So they're creating this innovation innovation area of their city where they're deploying, frankly, all kinds of smart city solutions to be able to act as a test bed, if you will, and, and decide what they want to roll out first. But they're, that's what that's doing is it's starting to attract a lot of attention for them from multiple organizations, everything from technology companies to services companies to educational institutions that would like to work with them and partner with them. So they're taking the approach of they really, for them, what was important was to build a reputation, build, become known as an innovative innovation center uh, in a place that historically was never known that for that. So again, you know, that the, the objectives and the drivers for a city, uh, two cities that could look very similar to each other could be dramatically different. So it's important to have those conversations. It's important to understand uh, what the stakeholders are trying to accomplish and to be able to align with that. Yeah, that raises an interesting question, just that I think a lot of times when people think about smart cities, they think of big cities, cities that are typically, I don't know, maybe we think of as the major cities on the forefront of lots of different things, whether it's a New York or a San Francisco or a Tokyo or whatever. But mm-hmm. this can exist just about anywhere and for a number of different reasons. So it's it's not just the big cities that can be smart cities. It's also uh, the smaller ones, right? You're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, One of our customers, quite honestly, has over 200,000 streetlights that we're working with and building that network out there. There's another one of our customers here locally in Massachusetts, uh, almost next door to where the town I live in, that has uh, about 500 streetlights. And they first put in place a smart lighting network with us. And now they're starting to in- incorporate smart city applications. And, and when you talk to the the, uh, the the manager in charge of all this, his, his, his view or vision is very simple. In his mind, he wants to do things and promote things within the, the town that will leave the town in a much better state than when he started. And that is his own personal objective. Five, 500 lights, small town, small ta- tax base, so not a lot of money to spend. But these solutions scale very nicely from, from very small to very large. And and because of what he's doing, again, this comes back now to attracting attention. This wasn't his goal to attract attention. He just wants to leave it in a better place. Uh, he's get the town is getting an awful lot of attention in the press and in the market here locally for what they're doing. Absolutely, and in a time like this, with such um, intense and concentrated innovation, uh, I appreciate having a conversation with someone like you who has that vision, who has that. Uh, ability to look at where we've been in the past and where we're going and kind of recognize those patterns and kind of foresee those uh, the potential pitfalls and also the ability to uh, to kind of see past those and find solutions. So uh, I really enjoyed having this conversation and just um, just seeing where the future of IoT is going to go. So uh, Bob Flaherty, Vice President of Customer Success and Managed Services for SimCon Lighting. Bob, thank you so much for uh, the time today and I enjoyed our conversation. As did I, Tyler. Thank you very much.